Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. I get rolling into my, uh, our time together this morning. I just want to take a moment. I want to say good morning to my online family. It is good to see you today. In specific, I want to say good morning, Auntie. Uh, it's good to be able to worship with you. Uh, that's the Lonnie Schaffnitz, for those of you who don't know. And we're just praying for you and just excited that one day you're going to be back in here with us. And uh, we love you and we miss you so much. Also want to say good morning to my boys, Miles and Parker. Glad you're here today. Amen. Amen. All right, so today we're going to be resuming our journey with Jonah. And if this is your first time with us and you're thinking to myself, thinking to yourself, um, okay, the journey with Jonah, uh, who's Jonah, where's Jonah, what's Jonah? Um, you, you haven't missed a whole lot. This is, this is part three for us right here. Um, actually, if you do want to go back and you'd like to get some background on, on Jonah and this journey, if you go back to our October 17th sermon and our October 24th sermons, um, that'll get you up to speed. Um, on the 17th, um, our brother Sanjay, he walked us through and gave us just this beautiful historical and contextual background for Jonah to just help us understand what was this world that Jonah was living in. And when God called him into something, what, what was that into like? What was, what, was, what was there? And then the following week, Pastor Scott walked us through just this call that God put upon Jonah and how Jonah responded to this and why Jonah probably responded the way that he did. And more importantly, what does that call mean for us when it comes to God's call in our lives? Okay, so those two sermons, if you want to go back and watch them, you can do it through our app, you can do it through our website. But here's the cool part. Um, those two sermons got us all the way to verse 4 in chapter 1, all right? So um, we're going to cover 12 verses today, and I'm going to be preaching for the next two hours. No, that's not true. You haven't missed much. It's going to be Okay. And as a matter of fact, to demonstrate to you how much that you've missed, I'm going to read the first three verses in Jonah chapter 1. So just make sure we're all on the same page. Here we go. And uh, hey, if you need a Bible today, I want to invite you. Uh, get your Bible app out if you need it. Uh, get your tablets open. If you want the actual pages in your hand, our brothers are coming forward right now. Our ushers, raise your hand. They will get one to you, okay? So Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, I'm just going to read this. You can listen or you can read along with me. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, or Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. You are now officially caught up. All right, there we go. So we're going to, today we're going to be talking about how far is too far. How far is too far? And I'm one of those that, you know, I believe in calling a thing a thing. It just kind of helps you solidify, you know, when you, when you want to get to an understanding of a situation, when you're beating around the bush and you're trying to make, help people feel good because you want to say stuff just the right way, sometimes when you can just say what it is, 
it's so much easier, okay? So we're just going to jump right into my first point this morning, which is when it comes to Jonah and where he is, what he is doing right now, going the opposite direction of what God's called him to do, what's really going on here? Well, actually, it's pretty simple. It's called rebellion. It's called rebellion, plain and simple, okay? God calls, Jonah says no. God points in this direction and says, this is where I want you to go. Jonah goes in a very different direction, okay? But now in verse 4, where we're going to get to rock and roll it today, everything changes, all right? So church, let's start reading in verse, verse 4. I think we're going to have this one on the screen for us this morning. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Okay? Now, church, we're going to take a few minutes this morning, and we're going to talk about fear. And I know that's not necessarily a popular thing to talk about, but it's a real thing that we're going to talk about, because that's what we've got going on here in this part of Jonah. Okay? Now, the point number two that I want to get to is we're going to be looking at the sobering effect of fear. The sobering effect of fear. Now, why am I saying sobering? It's because in most cases where fear arises in our lives, it's usually the result of one thing, and that is the lack of control. A lack of control. Now, the Lord has hurled a mighty tempest on the sea. The Hebrew word for tempest is sa'ar. And the Hebrew word for mighty is gadol. So this is a sa'ar gadol. And Jonah and the boat and the men in these boats are, are in the middle of a sa'ar gadol and things are not going well. So much so that the actual structural integrity of the boat is now in question. And it's at this point where I want to shift our focus, and this might be a surprise for you today, I want to shift our focus from Jonah to the men that are in this boat with Jonah, the crew, okay? So let's take a moment and let's look at the crew's response to their three levels of fear. There wasn't just one, there wasn't two, there were three levels of fear that we see here. And we're going to start reading in verse 5. In verse 5. So read this with me. It says, Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So, first level of fear that we, what we see this morning is this that the mariners were afraid. I'm not talking about the Seattle mariners either. The mariners, these sailors, this crew, they were afraid, okay? Now, what were the responses? Because we've got several to this first level of fear, okay? The first response we see is that there is clarity that comes quickly. Clarity that comes quickly. Because fear tends to make things real clear, real fast. All right? Now, what's our situation? 
Here it is. The boat is in danger, okay? And if the boat is in danger for that crew, that meant we are in danger, all right? And what is the immediate danger? Is that the boat is breaking up and it is sinking. So let's do everything we can to keep this boat afloat. So they start taking the cargo and they throw it overboard. Now, let's just take a moment here and let's just kind of process this. If you are a mariner, a sailor, okay, if you've got cargo on your boat, this is part of a business transaction that you've been paid for or that you're going to be paid for. You're being paid to transport something from point A to point B. So if you find yourself in a situation where you just tossed all of your cargo that you're supposed to get paid with overboard, what kind of situation makes you say, I'm not interested in being paid right now? It's when your life is in jeopardy. See, clarity comes quickly. Because you can't have a conversation with somebody about cargo that you couldn't deliver if you're dead. Clarity came quickly. What was the next response that we see here? It's this. Everybody needs to do their part. Everybody needs to do their part. Now, what they concluded was, okay, guys, real quick, every person, pray to your God. Whoever your God is, you stop right now and you pray, okay? They were open. They were open to whoever was ready to help them. And everybody was doing their part with the exception of Jonah. Because remember now, Jonah was asleep down in the boat, sleeping so hard that the captain had to come wake him up. Now, this is what it says in verse 6. It's not going to be on the screens. I'm going to read this for you, or you can read with me right there in your Bibles. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, church, this takes me to a moment because the parallel, I think, is so beautiful, and it's in Mark chapter 4. Let me just set the scene for you. Jesus has just wrapped up preaching to a huge group of people, preaching and teaching and loving and healing and doing all these things with them. And now it's time for them to retreat. And here's what it says. Starting in verse 35, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Isn't that parallel amazing? That here you've got Jonah in a boat, in the middle of a storm, asleep. And they come and wake him up and say, hey, you need to be praying to your God. On behalf of us, because our situation is not good. And then here you've got Jesus asleep in a boat, 
Okay? Jonah's running in disobedience from God. Jesus is present in that boat, in that storm, in obedience to God. Mm. If my recollection is correct, only two people recorded in the Bible, asleep in a boat, in a storm. Jesus, Jonah. There it is. The next thing that we see that happens in this response to their first level of fear is this. Someone is to blame for this. Somebody's to blame for this. Let me read you what it says in verse 7 in Jonah chapter 1. It says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. All right? So now they got somebody to blame. So now, where do we go from here? Now, interrogation begins. Uh-oh. In verse 8, it says, Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And who, of what people are you? They wanted to know Jonah's job. They wanted to know his place of origin. They wanted to know his nationality. They wanted to know his ethnicity. And church, can I ask you, what good is that information going to do you in the middle of a storm? Like somehow you get that information and now you know how to deal with the storm. You know, it almost feels like they're trying to figure out what's wrong with Jonah. They're trying to figure out what is it about you that we know makes you less than us because something's wrong with you because we're in the middle of a mess and it's your fault. Now we got to figure out what is it about you and we don't like that we know isn't good. It almost seems like they're trying to regain some sense of control maybe. Mm. So now, church, we're going to move to the second level of fear. Now things are about to ratchet up a little bit here because it says that they were exceedingly afraid. In verse 10, this is how it reads. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Wait a minute. What exactly did Jonah tell them? Okay? And that's where we get to our, our response to this second level of fear. And that's where confession comes. Fear is an amazing thing, boy. Confession is now happening. Because Jonah just comes clean. In verse 9, he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, made, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, church, I got to be straight with you. If I'm running from God, and I know I'm running from God, and I'm in a boat, and I know that what's happening with this boat is on me, I'm not going to lead with the truth. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're going to go, if you're going to run, go big, go hard. Start at least with a lie and try to buy yourself some time. But Jonah just puts it all out there, just puts it all down there, okay? But I want to, I just want to make sure that you understand 
the rebellion that we saw in Jonah in the first three verses, well, that he didn't have ownership of that. Because believe it or not, the rebellion continues. The rebellion continues. Look at this in verses 11 through 13. This is amazing. Then Jonah said to them, no, I'm sorry. Then they said to Jonah, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, ooh, Jonah, good gracious, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. And then church, here it is, verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard and tried to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Jonah told them the truth. But apparently they didn't want that. They wanted control. They wanted something else. This makes me think of another story from a parallel. It's in Acts chapter 2. Let me set the scene for you. Jesus has been crucified. He has been resurrected. He has now ascended to be back with the Father. The disciples have now become the apostles because the Holy Spirit has descended upon them. And it is the day of Pentecost. And the apostles come out and Peter stands up and preaches the first gospel sermon. And church, he does not mince words. He tells them straight up, this Jesus... This Jesus that we are preaching, that we are standing for, that we're about to go out and change the world through what it was that he did as we share his story. You killed him. And we pick up in verse 37, and this is what happened. It says, now, this is in Acts chapter 2, now when they heard, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Does that sound a little familiar? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Church, a brutally honest question is asked. A brutally honest answer is provided. In Jonah, truth is spoken and rebellion is given in response. Nope, we're going to keep rowing. In Acts, truth is spoken and repentance and surrender is given in response. And hallelujah, that was the beginning of what we know as the bride of Christ, the church. And this takes us to our final and highest level of fear. And this is one of those where church... I had never read this before, and I've known the story of Jonah. And if you don't really know the full story of Jonah, would you please go rent a Veggie Tales or go on to and watch it? It'll really help you get caught up real fast. But in the level three here of fear is that says that the men feared the Lord exceedingly. What? Well, in verse 16. This is what it says. You can read it. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Hold up. Weren't you just afraid of the sea? 
Wasn't it all about the Sa'ar Gadol? Weren't you just trying to survive? Why the switch? Well, let's go back to verses 14 and 15. Not going to be on the screen. Hopefully you might have it there in front of you. Let's check it out. Let's see what happened. In verse 14, it says, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds to me like these fellows finally figured out that they are not in control. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. You almost feel like the Lord stopped and went, duh. And then in verse 15, it says, so they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. And when that happens, that's where we see in verse 16 that the men were exceedingly afraid of the Lord. And then they stopped and they made a sacrifice and they made vows. I always thought in negotiations, you, you kind of got to the best of what you were going to do in the middle of it, not after it. See, I'm thinking if I'm in the storm, I'm telling the Lord, Lord, I will be at church every Sunday. I will be at Bible study three times a week. I will hug every person I see and kiss every baby you call before me. Lord, I will do whatever it is that you need. But it seems like it's after the deliverance. Then comes, well, I'm, we'll make a sacrifice to the Lord now, right now. And we're going to make vows. Oh, I wish I knew what those vows were. I, I, I wish I would have known what it was that they had just committed to. So church, my final point this morning is this. It's the question that I asked at the beginning. How far is too far? As you've been listening to this story about Jonah, where the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land, appeared to be prepared to not only take out Jonah, but to take out these innocent men as well. How far is too far? Can I ask you this? Does God have you in the middle of your own Sa'ar Gadol today? Is there something that he's called you to, but you're running from it? Are you throwing cargo overboard, trying to keep your boat afloat? Are you hearing the truth of God's word but you're rebelling against it to do what you think will give you some sense of control. Maybe you and God are having a conversation right now where you know what it is that he's called you to and you're saying to him, God, what you're asking me to do is too far. It's just too much. So then my question for you today is this. How far has God gone in demonstrating his love to you? Has God gone too far? When he sent his baby son Jesus here to be born in a filthy, dirty manger, 
amongst farm animals. And I have nothing against animals, but it's their job to be dirty. But I'm not going to have my baby born there. Now, some of you are saying, Damien, you just jumping ahead to the Christmas story. That's not fair. No. We cute it up. We pretty it up. But there's not a single one of us here who would choose to have our child born in those conditions. Was it too much when the Lord raised him up to be a man who began to share the heart of God? He was Emmanuel with us. He was God with us. He began to speak the truth of God's heart for his people and for the rest of the world, only to be prosecuted, persecuted, pursued constantly, confronted by those who were considered the religious leaders of the time, all the way to the point where he was falsely accused, beaten almost to death, then crucified. Was that too far? Did God love us just a little too much? Was it too much when Jesus, with some of his final words, said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was that going too far? Church, We serve a God today who I can promise you just simply based off of what his word says will do whatever is necessary for you to know that he loves you and he will pursue you. And he couldn't have done any more, any more perfectly than when he gave his son Jesus to do just that. So today in this space, as you were processing how far is too far, I'm going to help us conclude with this. How far are you willing to go with your God? How far are you willing to just simply trust yourself with him? Now, Jesus made the path clear in understanding. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And where in that space do we begin to see where there's some sense of control that we need to exercise? Is there something that we are hanging on to today that we believe needs to hold a higher place than Jesus Christ in our lives? Never forget that in the original commands that God gave to Israel, one of them was a serious one, and it was, you shall have no gods before me. That is still the same God we serve today. And you will say, well, Damien, I don't really have an issue with this. Then let me ask you, what's keeping you from being in full obedience to your God? Because whatever that is, you might want to take a good look at it to see if it has become a God above 
our Jehovah. Are you willing to protect it? Are you willing to defend it? So much I'm going to trust is happening right now. And what the Holy Spirit is doing. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. And we're going to give an opportunity. I want to invite our prayer partners to come forward at this time. And here's what we're going to do. If you realize that today is a day for you to commit your life to Jesus Christ because God loved me that much and he went that far for my sin. We're going to give you that opportunity today to do that. Or maybe today is a day where you recognize that you're Jonah and you're running not towards God but away from him. Maybe today's a day you recognize that you are those sailors in that boat and you're rowing as hard as you can because you want control. You feel like there's so many things going on around you right now that are out of your control. You got to hang on to something that you can say that this is about me. This is about what I think. This is about what I feel. And may I invite you to a space where you would just begin to open your hands and recognize that we have been called to follow and obey Jesus. And it's almost impossible to do it with clenched fists. Jesus isn't looking for people who are ready to get into a fight on his behalf. Jesus is looking for those who are willing to love as he loved. So much to the point that it even included death on the cross. If that is something you find your space, you find yourself in today, in that space of either you want to choose Jesus today as your Lord, or you want to re-choose Jesus today as your Lord. We are here prepared and ready to meet you in that space. Through a simple confession of him as your Lord and your Savior, mm, the angels will rejoice. So I'm going to turn this over to Josh. We're going to spend some time in worship. And I want to invite you, come. Come today.